Welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we have conversations about prayer and motherhood for today's Christian mom. I'm your host, Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. It's the combination of the two that makes this podcast different. Not just motherhood, not just prayer, both. Prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. And because of that, my goal is to help you see it not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. Well, welcome back, friends. You are listening to the second episode in a series designed to help us get prepared emotionally and spiritually for the upcoming school year. Last week, we talked about how to trust God with our children. And in light of the tragic way the United States ended the 2021-2022 school year with the horrible school shooting in Texas, I thought we did a, a decent job of going below the surface to answer some real honest questions about trust. Uh, And if you didn't catch that episode, I'd really love for you to make a point to go back and get it in the near future because I think it will bless you. If you are being helped by this new season, I want to ask you to consider sharing it with a friend, however that works for you. Also, take a minute to rate and review it because it helps the show reach more moms with a message of hope. Our goal really is to reach 1 million moms. So help us do that by rating and reviewing. And finally, please consider partnering with me to build our production budget so we can provide weekly episodes of the podcast by pledging just $5 a month via our Patreon. When you do that, you're going to receive an almost unlimited library of prayer resources, including our scripture-inspired prayer calendars, topical prayer guides, and a live 24-hour prayer day where our community actually prays for each other in real time once a month. It's been such a blessing to get to know our Patreon supporters this way, and I would love for you to be a part of it. So to learn more, just visit our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. So today I am back with our special guest for this season, Tara Cole. Tara, for those who are maybe just tuning in today for the first time, take a moment to help them get to know you. Thank you so much for having me in this season, Brooke. So I am a mom, a um, wife of 20 years, a teacher. So even as um, we're talking about going back in the school year season, I am a teacher myself. I teach at the university level and have for about 15 years now. And then my kids are all in school. We have them in public school right now. And so um, this is a subject very near and dear to my heart. I am there with you in it. Right. I love that. You and I both are. And I feel like we do represent kind of the everyday mom who is grappling with this issue as they are preparing their hearts and their minds to let their babies. So, you know, my my oldest baby is 17 and is going to be a senior this year, but he is still my baby, right? Yes. So (laughs) we're letting our babies go back out into the world and it can be um, a struggle to trust the Lord in that, especially on the heels of tragedy, the way that we have experienced it recently. So, Today, we're kind of shifting, not not completely away from knowing how to trust God, because we tackled that in the first episode, but we're really making a case for why prayer should be at the top of your back-to-school priority list if you have any hope of trusting God through it. Um, so Tara, I think that this would be a good place for you to share your prayer story with our listeners. How 
have you come to be such a proponent of prayer and what has God done in your life through it? Well, um, really, I believe that prayer and a relationship with God is what should be our foundation. Because when hard times come, it's not if, it's a when, then if you have laid that foundation for yourself first as a mom, and then start laying that foundation brick by brick for your children over years, this isn't a one and done thing, it's a marathon. Then when those hard times come, they have a firm foundation. Um, when I was growing up, as my mom was laying this foundation, it felt like she took my anchor and dug it as deep as she could into the rock of a relationship with God, not rules, but a relationship with him. And so that when those stormy seas got going, I was really anchored into that rock. So even though she didn't have all the answers, I didn't have all the answers. I was connected to the one who did. It's not to say I didn't hurt that um, there wasn't hard times, that there weren't even times when I thought of ending it all, but I was connected to that rock. And that's what held me strong through all of those times. In our own lives, as my kids have been in school, as I write in the book, there is a instance where my son really struggled with friends. And he struggled with friends, not just one year, but over a period of like five or six years. I thought, having moved around a bunch from school district to school district growing up, that having him in one school district his entire life would solve that problem. Because my family, I jokingly call us gypsies. We were gypsies. We moved all over the place. I think I was in six different school districts by the time I went into ninth grade. It was Oh, wow. You were a gypsy. Yeah, we were gypsies. And so I struggled with making friends. And by the time I was in ninth grade, I was over it. So I mistakenly thought that keeping my kids in the same school district would solve that problem. And so um, I even have here in my copy of Everyday Prayers, the note card I wrote on as I started praying for my son's friends. Um, going into his second grade school year, my oldest son, because we'd been in pre-K, kindergarten and first grade, and he was still struggling with friends. And we went to a small church, so there wasn't a lot of kids his age there either. And um, as he went into his, I think it was third grade year, or second and then into third, in his second grade year, there was this kid who just had it in for him. At one point, he chased him around the playground and had other kids trying to crawl my son so he couldn't get away from the bully. Oh, wow. And so our second grade year after me praying for a year for friends ended that way. Yeah. And you're son, tempted. You're tempted to think, OK, God, that's not what I was asking for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so in third grade, somehow that kid ended up in his classroom and the school was like, after, towards the end of the year was like, I'm sorry, that should have never happened. We should have had notes on that. That should have prevented that from happening. Um, but somehow he ended up in the same class his third grade year. And so there was picking and bullying. And the problem was um, this wasn't just a um, mean kid or a kid who had anger issues. Well, he did. But it was a um, he had struggled with anger enough that he was on something to the equivalent of IEP for it. Mm -hmm. So um, the school was aware of his struggle with anger and they were taking measures, but they had something in place for it, like an IEP to help him with these issues. But they just kept escalating throughout the school year. At one point in early spring, um, I don't know what happened, but he punched my son in the mouth and knocked the tooth out. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then um, a few weeks later, 
he jumped on my son and strangled him enough in music class to send my son to the nurse's office. Oh my goodness, Tara. Yes. And so at that point I had had, I mean, I've been praying. Why? Yeah. Why was stuff getting worse and not better? So um, I was, when I got that phone call from the school, I wanted to mama bear and rush up to that school and let them have it. But I have a grace-filled mom who calmed me down and said, that's mm-hmm. probably not the wisest course of action. They're probably not going to listen to you very well if you go in there and mama bear the situation. And so I talked to some friends because I had lots of friends across multiple school districts. And so I talked to them and they were they would gave me advice like, well, since he's on the IEP, you're probably going to have to lawyer up because those kids have certain protections or aware mm-hmm. of it. So kids who struggle with those issues sometimes have different sets of circumstances. They also told me that my child was probably going to have to move out of that classroom, but I didn't want him to move because he was excelling in math with that teacher, like above and beyond our wallet. He was doing so well in math. And I was like, I don't want him out of that classroom. And then um, they were also like this school districts don't handle this well, surely. um, And they told me that if I dropped the B word bullying, then it would cause them a mountain of paperwork. And so being a research and writing teacher and communications teacher, I went and started researching. What's the school district's definition of bullying? Does this Mm -hmm. instance fit that? And then I, being also a um, research teacher, I printed out all the emails from the school district because I had been talking to his teachers through email about these Mm -hmm. situations with this other student for 18 months. So I went and printed out all those emails and highlighted all the dates and stuff. Well, then I was ready to go in on to the school on Wednesday and present my case. But God told me to wait. You know, when you just kind of feel that Mm -hmm. tug in your spirit. And I was like, God, this is crazy. I need to take care of this circumstance yesterday. But I really just felt, even as I prayed, that God was telling me to wait, even though it didn't make sense. And so on Wednesday, I waited. Then on Thursday morning, I just sent a quick email to the principal, just like my um, school friends, school teacher friends had suggested and just said, hey, uh, my husband and I would like to meet with you. Granted, I sent it from my university email address <laughs> to add that little bit extra credibility to it. But I just that was all I said was my husband. And I would like to meet with you and the teacher to discuss the situation. Well, then she called me that day, which I didn't really want because I really wanted a face to face meeting. Mm-hmm. But she called me and I just went through and said, hey, I feel that he's being verbally bullied by this other student. And when my son doesn't comply, then it turns physical and it has a multiple occasions hear the dates and what's been going on. And I just laid out all that stuff to her. And she said, well, what do you want to happen? And I straight up told her, my son is excelling with this teacher. I do not want him moved. And I left it at that. Then I went and taught class that afternoon, not knowing what God was going to do. Without anything else, she called my husband up that afternoon while I was in class and told him that they were moving the student the next day. Hmm. My friends are still in shock over that happening. And it was almost five years ago now. They're like, that should have never happened. It should have been much, much harder than that. But for whatever reason, I don't know what God did on Wednesday while I kept my mouth shut. Mm -hmm. But he did something. And to all my teacher friends were like, that was impossible. Your son should have moved. That, That should not have been wrapped up that easily. And so I still to this day, seeing the praises, one of God for whatever he did on Wednesday, but two to the school district that is willing to listen and take care of problems. But I know that was prayer. There's no good reason for that to have worked out the way it did. 
Yeah. Well, and it was prayer. It was you sharing your heart with the Lord, but it was also, I think sometimes we forget that prayer is a two-way street. It is a conversation. Right. So it wasn't just you checking off your list of, Lord, I need this and I need you to do this and I need you to do that. You were actually listening for him to speak back to you and walking in obedience as you felt him leading you. And that is that that piece of it, I think we can't let go of that. It was you faithfully laying out your request before the Lord on behalf of your son, which is beautiful. But it was also you taking a hands-off approach and saying, Lord, I'm giving this to you. You do with it what you want and I will follow whatever you say. And that is a part, a significant part of having any kind of vibrant prayer life with the Lord. And I think, you know, one of the things that I saw happen um, when we were in the midst of the real-time pain of the the Texas shootings, I don't mean in any way to diminish the pain that those families are feeling now. But what I'm talking about is what was happening in real time as the story was unfolding, as we were learning details, was that people were really questioning whether or not prayer accomplishes anything worthwhile. Like, I think a lot of people, and I've personally got a lot of flack for for uh, saying anything or defending prayer in any way online, uh, so much so that I ended up having to block some people on uh, social media because they were attacking me over it. Like we we feel really passionate about this as a society, but we question at times, and I know I have questioned at times, what does prayer actually accomplish? What does prayer actually do? And your story is fantastic. And I have a couple stories that if we had time, I could share that are similar in nature to that. Every time I get asked to talk about prayer, the standard question is, tell me what answers to prayer you have seen. We are a results-driven society. Mm -hmm. I used to work in nonprofit in crisis pregnancy ministry. And one of the things that our CEO who dealt with our constituents, you know, the people who who gave to the ministry so that we could keep our doors open. One of the things he was constantly asking us for were stories of what God was doing in the hearts of the women that we served, because he wanted to be able to show the people who were giving to the ministry the results of what their money was getting, the results their money was getting in the ministry. And I started out this prayer ministry with Million Praying Moms feeling similar, but I quickly learned that prayer is not the same thing. Mm -hmm. It is not the same thing because sometimes God asks us to pray for the long haul. Sometimes you mentioned in in a a recent episode that you'd been praying for something for like 20 years. I have been, there's something I've been praying for for 20 years as well. And yet I still believe that, that God uses our prayers to accomplish his plans. So I would love to hear what you have to say in light of the fact that not everyone's answer to prayer is always as quick Mm -hmm. or efficient as what, you know, what you just shared. Sometimes God does that and it's wonderful when he does that, but you've experienced the other side of prayer too, where you've had to wait much longer. How do we believe that prayer is effective and actually moves the heart of God? Well, this is kind of where I tell like, um, oh, what's his name? The rest of the story, Paul Harvey. So that was third grade with my son. And 
even though God handled that bullying situation relatively well, 18 months, it'd been going on for 18 months, let's be honest. But that particular situation quickly, in quotation marks, my son still did not have good friends. He still struggled with friendships. So when 2020 hit, as um, it was coming and the pandemic was coming down, we had kind of felt this tug in our family that we needed to leave this church that we've been out for seven or eight years. There was no big explosion. Um, there was no huge thing. I mean, we had just switched preachers, but even then our family is not one that leaves over preachers or something like that. But we had just been feeling this tug towards this other church. And we were like, all right, God, we see that you're tugging, but not there. They're so big. They don't need us. We would prefer to serve at a smaller church. They don't need us. And so for months, instead of listening to God, like I did in the first instance, we just felt that tug and it got stronger and stronger, but we totally ignored it or denied it and kept showing up until stuff started unraveling at our current church and stuff. And until honestly, for whatever reason, I got to where I didn't want to go to church anymore, which has never happened in my entire life. Even as a rebellious teenager, I never didn't want to go to church. And it was coming out on our kids. Our kids started saying, I don't want to go to church. And then we were like, okay, something is going wrong here. But it was because we weren't listening. So when 2020 exploded and everything shut down, it gave us that easy back door out. We love those people. We love that church. We did not want to leave, but the pull was just too strong. So when some friends asked us, hey, do you want to try out this other church with us? We finally said, okay, uncle, sure. We will try it out. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that we finally said yes. And it was like nine months of saying no to the spirit and it getting more and more and more uncomfortable because no, this is a huge church. They may not have needed us, though I have some relationships and friendships there that I can see where even though we're not serving big like we used to, we're still able to be present and help others. But with the crisis I've gone through with my health lately, and then the friendships that my oldest son has gotten now. So if you're listening to this and you your kids are friends with my kids, that is not an accident. I have prayed for you and your children for years. But when we moved to this um, this other church, there were 60 kids in my son's grade level. And he has some good friends now that are in band with him, that are at church with him and at school with him. And they're a sweet group of boys that I just love to see him growing and having fun with. And so in answering that prayer, in the first instance, I listened quickly. In the second instance, I ignored it. But as I've been praying for my kids in different instances over the years, even with my youngest son in a different situation, as you've mentioned time and time again, prayer changes us. A lot of the time, the answer to my prayers for my children had been a change in myself. Right. Yeah, that's a really great point, Tara. I've actually been reading a book that I just discovered. I did not know it existed until recently, and it's by Oswald Chambers. It's uh, Oswald Chambers, in case you all don't know, is the, the man that wrote My Utmost for His Highest, which is like a, a really popular daily devotion book. And I just learned the other day that Oswald Chambers was like 43 when he passed away. And I, I look at myself and I'm 44 this year. And I think, my goodness, that man was wise for being 43 years old. And I still feel like I don't, there's so much I don't know. Um, God just matures, matured him faster, I guess. But 
I'm reading a book called If You Will Ask, and it's Oswald Chambers' thoughts on prayer. It's a collection of sermons and some of his thoughts on prayer. And literally, guys, like go get it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I have never read a book where I have felt like I could quite literally underline every single sentence. You know, like usually there's a sentence here that I like or a sentence here that I like, but it is so good. It really has got me thinking about prayer kind of in a different way. But one of the things that he said is that prayer is not so much about us changing God as it is about God changing us. And then that motivates us to go out and change the world because we are doing exactly what you did in, in your beginning story. We, we highlighted that you poured out your heart to the Lord. You opened up your heart so that he could pour back into you. And then you had the tools that you needed to go out and know what to do as you followed him. That's what prayer really does. It's not necessarily that, you know, we're changing God's mind or, or things like that. It's that we're having a conversation with him and we're allowing him to teach us and give us more of himself mm-hmm. so that we then have the, the power to go out and walk in obedience to what he's called us to do and change sometimes very small things, just as it relates to the the people that we love in our own lives, and sometimes bigger things, depending on what God calls us to do. So as I think about the effectiveness of prayer, that's what I think about. Is, is And that's been my personal testimony, is that God has significantly and constantly used the, the conversation that we, that I have with him to change me. Mm-hmm. And by default, that changes everything else. And so I see another question that probably pops up after this is, how does God speak to you after you've prayed? And of course, his word, first and foremost. So if you're not in his word, if you're praying and not in his word, first and foremost, go to his word. But there is some verses, I think it's in John 6, 7 or 8. I can't remember which ones exactly, but it's talk. Jesus is talking about himself being the good shepherd. And he's talking about his sheep knowing his voice. So when you're in the word, and that should be your foundation, is that when you have mentors give you advice or when you feel, and for me, honestly, it just feels like a navel tug. For others, it feels differently. But when you hear his voice in those other ways, then you're likely to recognize it because not every mentor and advice is wise. But when I pray, oftentimes um, God will drop a verse from a sermon. I'll listen to a sermon or a podcast or read a book mm-hmm. or hear from a mentor over coffee or again, feel that tug in my spirit that this is the way to go. And honestly, when I first started and I just that's the way it feels to me. It's the best way I can describe Start feeling those tugs. I had lots of conversations that went, God, I think I'm hearing from you. And this feels like you speak louder. And he does. He is capable of speaking louder if he really wants you to be aware of something. But you have to be in the word Mm -hmm. so you know his voice. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a perfect description. And I'm really glad that you brought that out because I have had people ask me over the years, multiple people say, how are you so sure that you're hearing from the Lord? And my answer to that is exactly what you just said. And the only thing I would add to it is that, you know, God tells us to hide his word in our hearts. 
so that we might not sin against him. The more time you spend in God's word, the more it will be hidden there so that when you need it, it's what comes out. Mm-hmm. That's the, the biggest thing that I can tell you is that the more you hide God's word in your heart, the more access you will have to it when you need it. Mm-hmm. So that when you're in crisis and you don't know what to do, God's word will whisper in your ear, remember this, this is truth. It will just be, uh, it will, it will be a deep well that you have to draw from that you might not have had, had you not done that. And, and it is his word that shows us, you know, how to walk and what to do. So I'm so glad you thought to add that Tara, that's a great addition to our conversation. Let's take that foundation of, of understanding, um, what, prayer accomplishes, how it works, and why it's effective, and translate that into our school year, our upcoming school year. Um, There are all kinds of things, uh, no matter how you're educating your children, that moms need or or can, I don't want to say need, but can find to worry about, right? As they're going back to school um, to fuss over or to take care of as we're prepping to send our kids back. And I don't, I don't think, again, I don't think it matters what your educational choice is. There's still a list of things that have to get done as we go back to school, as we, as we prepare to get our kids back in the educational system, whatever that is. Why should prayer be at the top of that list? Well, the reason I would encourage you to put prayer first and to cover that list in prayer is because so often in my life, I have started down the to-do list and come to what feels like between Pharaoh and the Red Sea, whether it's because I can't decide what to do. So maybe you're struggling with which educational choice is best for your kids as you go back into the school season. Maybe you're struggling with just getting all the things done and now the prices have gone up. How are you going to even afford it? All these back-to-school items your kids seem to need. Uh, maybe you're struggling between choosing between which sports to do or activities to allow them to do or wh- the hundred thousand choices there are. So many times I felt like that. And when I finally thrown my hands up and said, all right, God, I can't handle this. I need your help. It was like he was standing there saying, I'm glad you asked because he wanted to help. But as we talked about so often, he's not the parent that forces himself on us and drives in and saves a day, no matter how we're feeling. He's polite and loving and he waits for us to ask. So nowadays I'm trying my best to remember to bathe my day in prayer. And I don't mean like spend an hour. I mean like spend two minutes saying, God, I don't know what today needs. I don't know the words I need for today. Some mornings I wake up and I don't have the energy for today. But I'm like, God, you know what is needed and where I need to show up. I'm trusting you to give me the strength and energy and wisdom I need. It's the same thing for our to-do list. Cover it in prayer before you start instead of asking for help in the middle of a crisis. Yeah. And you may even find that the Lord removes things from your list Mm -hmm. or reprioritizes it as you give him permission to do that. As you were talking, Tara, I thought of a quote by uh, Martin Luther, and it says, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. (laughs) I've always been so challenged by that because it reveals how important Martin Luther really thought prayer was. Mm -hmm. I I would say if there is anything that I struggle with, 
as it relates to prayer and a to-do list. It's that I often feel like my to-do list is more pressing than my prayer time. Like if there's something that needs to get sacrificed, it's going to be prayer Mm -hmm. because I have so many things to get done. But this, this quote by Martin Luther really challenges us to look at it differently and to say, actually, my time spent with the Lord, giving him permission to do what you've just described, reorient us, reprioritize things, to invite him to be a part of the moments of our day inside and out and in between and around and over and above our, our to-do list. That is actually the most important thing that we can do. Prayer is the most important thing. And so that particular um, quote has always just really grabbed me. And so let's spend the rest of our time together, Tara, getting kind of more practical what are some tips that you've used in your own life to help you prioritize prayer in the midst of all the other million things that you have to get done as a busy mom? Okay, so the first thing I would say, and it goes right back to prayer, is ask for the desire. And what I mean is about 20 years ago or so, um, Psalm 42, 1 and 2 became one of my favorite verses. And that's where it talks about how the um, deer pants for the water and pants for the living streams of water. That's where the song as a deer comes from, if you've heard that song. But I just started asking for the desire and God loves to answer those types of prayers. Mm -hmm. Those are one of the types that if you're praying for something, it seems like something's not happening quickly. Pray a prayer like that. God's pretty quick on answering those. He might grow it in you over years, uh-huh. but um, God loves to answer those types of prayers. And so just pray for the desire to want to spend that time with him. My second tip would be um, to set aside time in the morning. And like I um, have mentioned in our last episode, don't try to start out by spending 10 minutes of prayer. Spend time in prayer and give your day to God as your coffee is warming up or your tea or you're grabbing your Dr. Pepper or whatever drink you prefer to wake you up in the morning. Go ahead and just ask for him. Give your day over to him as you're doing that task. Start small. Don't think you have to have 30 minutes before your kids get up, especially if you are a young mom or a mom with kids who are going to school super early. Don't put that pressure on yourself. I love that, Tara. And that is very, it looks a lot like the way my prayer life started. Believe it or not, guys, you you may have heard me say this before, but it is absolutely true that my prayer life started on sticky notes. It really did. Like I would write down something that I found in the word that I wanted God to do in the hearts of our sons. And I would write it on a sticky note and place it on my bathroom mirror, or I would place it, you know, uh, on the kitchen cabinet or at various places. I think at one point when we still had a landline phone, I think it was on the landline phone. Like I, I put it in various places throughout the house and it wasn't, I never sat down in my bathroom and had 10 or 15 minutes of prayer. But when I was putting my makeup on in the morning or drying my hair, I would see that sticky note there and I would pray that. So that was the very foundation of my own prayer life was just starting somewhere and starting small. So that's a fantastic tip. Love that one. Go on with the next one. The last one I had, um, and this is kind of the heart of everything I do, is making it an abiding relationship. And I love this example that Christy Thomas used in a um, workshop a few months ago, because we all hear the jar example that kind of makes us all feel guilty. You put in the big rocks first, and then the medium ones and small ones, and you pour the stuff around it. And so in that example, usually we see the big rocks are supposed to be your time with God, church, things like that. 
Well, when Christy used this example in her workshop, she flipped it on her head. The big tasks are like the things we might do for our family and things like that, sprinkling the other ones around. The sand is our time with God that permeates everything, that wraps around everything, that covers everything. So as you're thinking of spending time in your day in prayer, Allow it to be a constant conversation with God throughout your day. As you're driving to pick up your kids, pray for the words to say to them. As you're um, working on folding their laundry or cooking dinner, pray for them. Pray for the conversations you'll have around the table. But don't just make it a conversation that stops in the morning. And like Brooke was saying, when you see the sticky notes, that is an excellent way to pray. Um, I love that. But just make it a constant open-ended conversation throughout your day. Allow it to be that thing that permeates permeates and wraps around everything else that you do. I love that. And I think having like, I I have several friends who have, um, you know, one I can think of has a certain person that she prays for when she's folding laundry, or um, she has another member of her family that she prays for when she's cooking dinner. Or I have another family friend who they have a, what they call a prayer street. So they've picked a street that they always have to go on or use to come back to their house. And when they get there, the whole family just pauses and they pray for whatever's on their heart. It's their prayer street. Our family has adopted, uh, we go by two or three exits on the highway that we take to get to church. And when we get to the last exit before we turn on the church to to, to go to church, we pause and we pray and we pray for the pastor. We pray for the Sunday school teachers. We pray for our own hearts that they would be open. So there are rhythms that you can establish um, as families that work for you. One thing that I do, you know, I I do like to have a, a, a time in the morning that's dedicated to, to, you know, reading God's word and prayer. But I also have, if you could see my computer desk right now, there's, I'm, I, y'all, I'm just kind of a sticky note person. So it works into every aspect of my life, but there are six sticky notes. I have a really big monitor and Tara is showing me right this minute, all of her sticky notes as well. Uh, we've learned in this process that we're a lot alike in some ways, but Um, I have six sticky notes across the bottom of my large computer monitor with prayers that I tend to pray every morning. So I have my time with the Lord. I actually pray before I get out of bed. I have time, like dedicated time where I pray with the Lord. Um, And then when I come in here and sit down at my computer, I run through this list of sticky notes that are at the bottom of my computer. And I pray those because they, they help frame and reorient my mind so that I'm in the right space when I can, you know, when I go and and start to work for the Lord. So there's all kinds of things Mm -hmm. that you can do to really prioritize prayer. You can get super creative and do what works for you. There's lots of examples out there. And I love that you use sticky notes because so often we think it has to be complicated. Uh So use what you have. Don't think you have to go out and buy something to make this work. Exactly. Exactly. Most of us have some sticky notes at our house somewhere. (laughs) All right. So Tara, what are your top five back to school prayers for your children? Let's share those with everybody. All right. So my top five back to school prayers kind of cover the areas of this prayer journal. And that was the heart of the everyday prayers for the school year prayer journal was these five areas. So as I'm looking for those five prayers first, I, like I mentioned in my example, I pray for my kids' friends. I pray that they will um, like the man 
who was paralyzed and his friends dug through the roof to get to Jesus. I pray that they will have friends who takes whatever, who does whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. And they'll be that kind of friend for others. I then pray for their teachers because whether you are a homeschool mom, a private school mom, online school, face-to-face, whatever teaching thing you need, those teachers need wisdom and insight into our kids' hearts to really see them, appreciate them, and love them for who they are. So there's lots of verses in the Proverbs I pray over this. But basically, my prayer for our teachers, my main prayer, is that they will see my children that they will appreciate who they are and that they will be given the wisdom to know how to guide them this school year. Then as um, we're looking to their classes, all of us, whether our kids are A students or F students or somewhere in between, we all have an anxiety over how our students are doing in school. And so my prayer for my kids isn't that they'll be the A student. That's great if they are, but I pray that they will at least be diligent in their classes, because that's hard. It is hard to stick with school. My kids are constantly asking me, how many years do I have left of school? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. dude, I'm a college teacher. You're going to be in school till you're 22. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I want them to be diligent. I don't expect them to get all A's because like I've told my sons, you can't be good in everything, but I do expect them to do their personal best. Then I also um, pray for them and their giftings. And um, as Brooke and I have talked about in these, I think it was our last episode, all of our kids have these special giftings we've seen in them since the time they were little. So this goes beyond their classes. And I just pray that God will continue to um, lead them and to develop those gifts in them that I see. And that as they go throughout their school year, instead of those being crushed by outside sources, because sometimes I fear for that. One son I have is so incredibly generous of spirit. I'm not even as generous as he was at three. Um, It's just, it's a gift that he has. He's just like my grandmother. It's such a gift. But I pray that those outside forces won't discourage or crush that, that God will continue to grow in him what he started. And then my final prayer is for their character building. And this comes a lot based off the fruit of the spirit. But I pray that God will continue to grow those fruits of the spirit in them as they go throughout their school year. And if you would like those five prayers, we've set up a um, challenge for you called the back to school prayer challenge. And so you can find all of those prayers in that prayer challenge for you. I love that. I I just want to pause just for a minute, Tara, and reflect. And sometimes... Sometimes the Lord hits me with this. The idea that as mothers, we have the privilege of partnering with God in this way so specifically for the hearts and needs of our children. Like I imagine it is, let me say this. I have a 15 and 17 year old. I'm not sure how much of a gift they see it as right now, but I imagine that as they get older, they will recognize that gift. And even if they don't, we know what a gift it is to be prayerfully covering every aspect of their lives. This is why I believe that prayer is action. This is why I believe that prayer is 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 doing, it is the most proactive, least passive thing that we can do. We cannot control 
everything that the Lord is going to allow into our children's lives. You and I both could take time today, and you already have, um, to share things that have happened to our kids that we wish had not happened things that we wish we could take away or things we wish we could fix, but we cannot control everything that the Lord allows. We can prayerfully present their needs to the Lord and ask him to move on their behalf. And I just think what an amazing gift we can offer uh, to our kids as we get ready to go back into the school year. And guys, I'm here to tell you that if you commit to being this kind of praying mom for your children, it will heal your heart as well. You will learn to turn to the Lord in circumstances that you never even thought of before. And when the storms come, you will know where your anchor is and you will know who to trust. So I am so grateful that we have had the opportunity to have this conversation today because it has been a balm to my heart as well as I'm getting ready to let my babies go back. So Tara, thank you so much. Guys, again, these will all be in the show notes. Anything we've mentioned today that you want to learn more about, including pre-ordering a copy of Tara's latest book, which is Everyday Prayers for the School Year, will all be there in our show notes. And you can order it anywhere books are sold. If you do go to the show notes today, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about some bonuses for pre-ordering that are available through August the 2nd. That's when the book releases is August the 2nd. So these great resources are yours. In addition to purchasing the book, you get these for free through August the 2nd. So don't forget to grab those, but also don't forget to come back next week when Tara and I are going to give you a strategic plan for praying your child through the next school year, something tangible that you can hold on to an action plan for getting involved in praying for the hearts of your kids. Till then, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Million Praying Moms. You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or by visiting our website where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom, like our monthly scripture-inspired prayer calendars. Yours for only $5 a month when you become a patron of Million Praying Moms. If you love this podcast and want to be a part of making sure it sticks around, and reaches other moms with the message that prayer is not a last resort, but the first and best response to motherhood, consider joining our Patreon family. There are options for everyone, including our $5 a month prayer calendar option, perfect for both the beginner and seasoned praying mom who wants to pray God's word for her children. Depending upon your needs, you can get access to our classes, courses, podcast scripts, discussion questions for each podcast, and even vote on certain aspects related to the ministry of Million Praying Moms. And I also have a free gift for you too. Download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children, when you subscribe to the podcast. It's a step-by-step guide for how to get started praying the scriptures for yourself and your family. If you love this podcast, would you help us reach more moms with our message by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts? We sure would appreciate it. Find all the links you need at millionprayingmoms.com.
Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.